0: Welcome. This is a special edition of a vision for you. My name is Melanie C, a recovered compulsive overeater living in Canby, Oregon. Here this morning, grateful to be serving. Greetings to all of you. It's a new day. It's a brand new day, just filled with hope. And I hope your morning is going well. Today is Sunday, June fifth, twenty twenty-two. The share ID numbers for Friday, June third, twenty twenty-two, are the following: the seven a.m. Eastern Time week. Weekday Big Book Study meeting is 19028 and the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study is 19029 19029. This morning, A Vision for You presents Recovered and Authentic, Working Through the Hard Stuff. Well, folks, change is just plain tough, period. If recovery were easy, we would have done it a long time ago, each of us. We all know that recovery is hard. However, some people have it harder than others in their experiences coming and going in here, testifying to one being myself here this morning. But it's certainly, certainly the easier, softer way. Imagine that. Addiction affects the mind, body, and spirit. This all-encompassing disease gets us off track mentally and in our life. How to function normally and healthfully must be relearned, and this is no easy task. It takes time, energy, and patience, and it is definitely worth a huge shout-out to mention guidance and support in fellowship and power. No one comes into life with an instruction manual, and never truer, truer, Than those of us with the addiction of compulsive overeating. We learn as we go and often pick back up again several times when we fall all over our defects in the rooms as we go about our 12 step process. There is no mistake so great that warrants giving up trying to do better by working these 12 steps on our addiction. Nothing. We view our life through the lens of the 12 steps now. We do not do anything everything right the first time the second time or even the third time but we are showing up and we're keeping on track and coming back with help and we get past it up over and through life is not about being perfect but doing the best we can where we are with what we have what we see and what we can hear in the moment with the steps tools and the time we have while we are here Enthusiastically and willingly, right? Authentically. Some days are more difficult in recovery for us addicted human beings. We may even question whether there is progress being made at all, but we live in community and share our journey with each other. A kindly, honest word from a fellow, sponsor, friend that has a clearer view of our growth vaults us right back over all that short thinking and our critical view of ourselves. They are quick to point out that what we used to be like and how we are reacting to life differently, better each day that we move along inch by inch. Always growth as we actively work the steps and address each character shortcoming. The more public example of life recovered in these rooms is Bill W. He shares openly of his gratitude for his recovery and freedom from the compulsion to drink, along with sharing some of the darkest days while being in these rooms. A good long stretch of 20 years there were times of unbearable discouragement and darkness, and he stayed, deeply committed to service and serving others, paying for the miracle that was given to him, respectfully honoring this power in the working of the 12 steps. His story is a perfect example of the power in the program that promises to restore us to sanity and authenticity. One day at a time is much more than a slogan in AA. It is, it is a simple phrase to live by with a simple set of instructive steps for daily application. There is hope sealed in promise for each one that applies these 12 steps to this hard stuff. This coupled with the power and the gift of fellowship in this recovery community makes each one of us thoroughly blessed and grateful, declaring victory over addiction one day at a time. Today, we are grateful to our guest speaker for wholeheartedly accepting the invitation to come to the virtual world to present on the experience of working through the hard stuff, getting to that level of authentic, exposing it all, real and raw, so that you too know that you are not alone, and the joy and richness in living disciplined and structured structured life recovered as a result of doing so it is always such a gift to have fellows like this so loyal to the service of helping the still suffering compulsive overeater come and describe just how it is done so that each one of us can follow duplicating precisely what they have done it is just like that we are so blessed to have emily d as a regular student and teacher at a vision for you help me welcome to the line emily this morning good morning emily
1: Good morning, my friend. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, gosh, Melanie, are you sure you didn't want to just keep talking? Because that was amazing. <laughs> That's wonderful. Um, hi, everyone. Uh, hi, family. Hmm. I'm Emily D. And I am recovered uh, one day at a time, living in Chicago, Illinois. And it is a spiritual experience to be with y'all this morning. Um, For those listening, for those just getting started, for those still in the food, for those really thinking, like, is there another way? Like, is there another side? You know, because what's in front of me feels so heavy. Uh, I'm here to tell you there is um, and to keep going, keep going, you know, um, this way of living is not for the faint of heart, and sometimes I joke with my sponsees, you know, (laughs) is this, is there no easier, softer way, truly, right, so I just want to begin with, with kind of what my morning was like, because I, I always want to know, like, what do people do, you know, what does it look like for, for everyone else, you know, the exact prescription, you know, my, my intent in wanting to know that is so that I can do it perfectly. But I'm going to tell you how imperfect uh, and beautiful my morning was as a result. I think imperfection's beautiful, don't you? Um, so I got up, I slept, uh, which is kind of a miracle. I, I've really struggled with sleeplessness as a recovered woman. I also struggled with sleeplessness as a woman deep in disease. Um, so, you know, uh, I'm not cured of everything as a result of having a relationship with God. But I slept, I got up. Uh, lots of, 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 of activity on my phone had happened overnight. There's a big party going on in LA right now for the big book. Um, it's so awesome to see this fellowship be in person, you know, to sit across the table from one another, just like Bill and Abby did, to toast, to congratulate, to cry. I, I mean it when I say it is love is on offer um, in these rooms. And if I look back, and not too far back, but if I look back, that's really what was missing in my life was love. Um, so you know, I'm I, I'm on a I'm on a text thread with uh, affectionately called the God Squad, and uh, my best friend in program text me a photo of her every morning drinking a cup of coffee, I got that, and then I got, you know, sort of connected, right, so I live alone, um, I, I'm, I'm single, um, I'm kid-free, and I, I want to just say, I never feel alone, I never feel alone. I am plugged into this program in a way that um, I've never been before, and that is because I've been through some hard stuff, and there is no reason why I should still be abstinent other than to say the fellowship in these rooms and my connection with God kept me that way. I went, I've been through hell, but Uh, probably you have too. (laughs) So, you know, we have that in common. We have that in common, you and I. Um, and you can't scare me. There's nothing you can say. There's nothing you can do that's going to make me feel like, oh my gosh, I can't talk to this person. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Who you are and what you are, what you believe, what you're struggling with. We've been there. We got you. So plugged in, uh, and I got a meditation from one of my friends in program, and I'm listening to it, and I'm crying, and I'm like, oh, my God. You know this? I don't know. I don't know coming into speaking, like, how am I going to feel? But I know I want to feel prepared and confident, and I'm going to deliver something remarkable. And, you know, uh, I really just let all that go this morning, and that's the gift of being recovered. It's one day at a time. I am a humble servant. I am a humble servant. And so, you know, the real question is, like, you know, how can I be helpful? So on this, on this sort of theme of love, I just want to bring up a, a passage from 24 Hours a Day, which came up a couple of days ago, and, and just, just let us bask in love for a moment. Um, someone in program once said to me, you can't hate yourself into a version of yourself that you love. <clears throat> So if your inner critic is anything like mine, says things like I should be doing this and I should be feeling this and I shouldn't be feeling this and can I trust myself? Um, You know, there's a lot lot to be said for like easy does it, right? Like we're already hard enough on ourselves. There's no way I'm going to be hard on you. No way. So the meditation, and this is June 3rd, Uh, For those of you who have the app or want to reference it, June 3rd, 24 hours a day. Love is the power that transforms your life. Try to love your family and your friends, and then try to love everybody that you possibly can, even the sinners and publicans, everybody. Love for God is an even greater thing. It is the result of gratitude to God, and it is the acknowledgement of the blessing that God has sent you. Love for God acknowledges his gifts and leaves the way open for God to shower yet more blessings on your thankful heart. Say, thank you, God, until it becomes a habit. So if you're struggling, I mean, with anything today, anything, I just want to say my experience is the antidote is more love, more support. Put down the whip, put down the stick, and embrace, right? And let us love you. <laughs> let us love you. On page 164 of the big book, and I know Vision, we read this every day. But I just want to begin, you know, if I tell a little bit of my story, this piece uh, in, the, in the second full paragraph, um, the answers will come, so, if you have questions today, if you're anything like me and you want to figure it all out on a daily basis, uh, I can tell you it's not going to come on your time, but the answers come right? If your own house is in order, to me that means if I'm honest with myself and not just honest with myself about you know God is good and there's gratitude and like life is life is optimistic and life is powerful, but in the in the dark. Stuff. In the dark stuff. Is your house in order? Are you being honest? Or are you talking to people in the rooms and saying, like, everything's fine? That was a I mean, I'm I'm the queen of minimizing. Queen of minimizing. I'm also the queen of people pleasing. And I'll tell you what, that combination of things put me in the darkest depression I've had. And this was months ago. I've been recovered two years. Yeah, I experienced depression. In recovery, in recovery, suicidal ideation, in recovery, and I'm alive, and I'm better for it, and I'm learning how to love and be loved. And then it says, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. So this is an invitation to everyone listening on this line. I'm just closing my eyes and sort of like holding my palms up, right? Like, you've got to love yourself. You've got to love yourself in order to love other people, right? And I don't believe that, you know, to be, uh, if, you read, if you read the book in a fundamentalist way, sometimes for me it felt like I'm doing it wrong. You know, I, I should be second, put myself second to everyone else. And that, for me, just for me, my psychology, my composition, right, put me in a position to be harmed because I had forgotten who I was. My relationship with myself is the most important thing. And I only have access to that relationship by, by following God, right? Because I, I don't know, you know, I've got the critic here. I've got a couple, a lot of stories about how life should be in here. And so God kind of helps me clear that out to find the truth. But if you, if you want to give love, you have to love yourself, I and mean, that's just how, how what has been what has been communicated to me over the past over the past several months. Um, today, I am uh, in a normal body weight, uh, which is an incredible gift.'m i forty two. Um, I started uh, I started with food for comfort when I was seven. Um, it was a game. It was the way that my dad and I bonded. You know, my mom was a big pusher. Uh, we were the Clean Your Plate Club. I mean, all of this is, is stuff I'm sure people can identify with. Um, and I I, I really struggled with um, being a, a big girl, you know, and what that meant. Um, today I'm in a normal body weight. I'm traveling in a normal body weight. You guys, I just went on my first flight as a recovered woman. In a normal body weight and traveling with that freedom is a completely different experience. Um, And traveling, by the way, is something that, you know, is a way that I love myself. To go home or to go out into the world and then come back is such a privilege. Uh, My business is doing really well, I'm an entrepreneur. by the grace of God, you know, I've been through and I'm going to get to kind of the darkness. Uh, but I, I'm telling you where I am today so that, you know, when I talk about how dark it was, there's another side. Um, you know, I've I've just landed one of the biggest contracts uh, of my career. I've been an entrepreneur for eight years. I uh, must be doing something right. But God, it's gotten so much better now that I have God on, on the path with me. And look, I'm navigating love. Um the love of my life I let go of a couple uh, months ago, and, and he's come back in my life, and I'm negotiating that, and I'm not sure what to do. All I know, all my, all my heart knows is I wanna, I'm a comfort-seeking missile. When I feel discomfort, my constitution is like, uh, what are we going to do about it? And guess what? There's nothing to do. Sometimes there's nothing to do, and that's maddening. And then, you know, the last thing, right, is like, well, not the last thing. I could go on. um, I live with anxiety and depression. Um, I am someone who identifies as living with mental illness. I am out and proud about it. Uh, It does not mean that I'm not doing the 12 steps right. It does not mean that I'm not getting to God. It just is. And I think a lot of what I'll be talking about today is, is acceptance of what is. And stop shitting all over yourself for, you know, I, I should be doing better. I should be going deeper. I should be more like Emily. Please don't ever say that. <laughs>
2: um,
1: I'm, I'm just one of you traveling along, right? So on page 82, step nine, oof, right? This is really one of those steps where the rubber meets the road uh we get into this conversation about um about the long period of of reconstruction ahead um so you know right before that bottom of page 82 if you're following along that paragraph that last paragraph the alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others hearts are broken sweet relationships are dead Affections have been uprooted. I'm going to stop right there because as a, as a recovered woman and reading that, this is where I can pick up the whip and be like, God, I really, I really didn't get this right. I made mistakes. I blamed others. I blamed myself. I don't deserve this. I need to dig myself out of a hole, right? We are sick people, and we need medicine, and the medicine is a spiritual solution. So don't for another second, I'm going to give you advice. I'm going to just talk to you directly, you listening. Don't for another second beat yourself up about this. It's okay. There's a way forward. You can do it. You can get through it one step at a time. Uh, A little further on, we feel a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. You know, when I came into the rooms, it was really like... (laughs) I just wanted to be thin. You know? I wanted to be thin so you would like me, so you wouldn't leave me, um, so I could feel good about myself. And I laugh at it now, right? Like normal body weight, um, and I'm thinking to myself, like, yeah, this is this is just the beginning of sobriety. Now, if you're in the food today, uh makes a beginning, right? You gotta do that first. Gotta get abstinent first, right? But that's not enough. So here, it's a, it's the prelude to the main act. It's of your life, of getting to live this really big life. And I don't get to live a big life without feeling pain, discomfort. Ugh! Right. So top of eighty-three. Yes, there is a long period of reconstruction ahead. I I would I would just say like the rest of your life is reconstruction. I don't know about for any of you, but. This has not been a linear path for me, not not at all. Um, it's not up, up in a way. It is up, down, sideways, back, forward, back. Um, and then I think really, this last sentence in this paragraph is kind of where i where I really found my home when i was when I was thinking about what can I share today? because this is my drumbeat as a recovered woman. Oh, so we clean house with the family, right? We we right our wrongs, we make amends. It can be done. It won't be perfect, but we got you as you go through it. And and then we ask each morning in meditation that our creator show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. And I'm going to talk about those four principles today, because my my greatest wish is to envelop you with those principles of patience for yourself, for the changes that take time, tolerance for your misgivings, for doing absurd things, you know, for the people in front of you, for the sponsees and the sponsor who are going to fail you because they are. (laughs) They are because they're human and we love humans. That's what we come to find in these rooms is like we love each other. In spite of all those things, kindliness, I mean, kindliness toward yourself. You're doing great. It's okay. Right? We got you. And love. I mean, love is one of those things for me. It's like, what is love? How do I figure it out? It is the great unfigure-outable. Um, and it's the thing I'm most scared of, uh, to truly be loved. And uh, God, God has shown me how. Um, but I'm, I'm a work in progress. So, you know the bedevilments on page 151 are kind of like the that like okay so if you if you are feeling terrified bewildered frustration frustrated or despair I mean me too um, I think though patience tolerance kindness and love are the antidote to those things. And by the way, you know, the bedevilments, and this is, this is you know, I know the big book says, like, we, we, we're, we're free of these. Uh, on a daily basis, though, I mean, I felt terror in the past couple of months. I felt bewildered or perplexed. I definitely felt frustrated. And I felt despair, abject despair. I was, uh, I was willing to make the ultimate sacrifice that came up in my life a couple of months ago. And look at me now. I mean, what? How do you explain it? So, you know, the bedevilments are, are like, for me, the the, the, watch, the watch signs, you know, the hideous four horsemen. These, these traits that, like, God wants to meet us in and say, like, I, you can feel this. It's okay. Don't be alone with it. Don't be alone with it. When you're scared, I'm here. Your friends are here. You're not alone. When you're perplexed, come to me. Come to me with everything. You know, when you're frustrated, oh, yeah, right? I mean, it's 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 kind of hard being human sometimes. And when you're in despair, you know, let me help you find some hope. And the only way to do that is to to pick up the phone, you know, for me. Um... So patience, I'm going to talk about patience, tolerance, kindness, and love. These are, these are, if I can like, if I could like move the energy through the phone, like, oof, I want to give you all of these things. I want to give myself these things. Um, so my story, uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on what it was like, because uh, I know that we're here to kind of hear the solution. I know I am, so I'm excited to hear what people have to say afterward, but. My story begins with food as comfort, you know, uh, and it worked for decades. And it's socially acceptable, and it's easy to get to as a seven-year-old. And you know, I've always though underneath that, underneath that, underneath the bags and boxes, and you know, copious amounts of delivery, and you know, moving through college and gaining and losing weight, and Um, was a, a young woman who is incredibly anxious and ashamed. I mean, just so in fear about what you think of me, will you love me, can I be loved? I learned very early on, and sometimes I think, you know, women in particular struggle with this, but I know men do too. There's a certain way I need to be, right? Amenable, affable, agreeable. And I learned very, very quickly that if I am those things, then everything's okay. Not me. I'm not okay. But everything around me is okay. You know, I'm, I'm definitely the director who has the altruistic goal in mind, right? Like, oh, how selfless. Oh, good. Everyone's happy. That means like I can be okay. A lot of codependence and a lot of reliance. On anything other than God, right? and I wasn't uh, I wasn't introduced to God until I came into the roots. Um, and you know, if I can really identify in with Bill's story, and I think this is such an important thing to do, is to be able to identify in with stories. Um, you know, really and truly, uh, i I was someone where my brain, and I'm on page six, second paragraph, my brain raced uncontrollably. It's a lot of work to try and manage everything around me. It's exhausting. So if you're exhausted today, that's why, I think. I think you're doing too much. I think, like me, uh, I can portend that, you know, if you keep doing too much, it's not going to go well. And I think, for me, my capacity as a recovered woman really increased to love, to do, to show up, to engage, Um, And I I went way too far, and it nearly killed me. So, you know, my brain races uncontrollably. There's this terrible sense of impending calamity, and that was my childhood. You know? I mean, it was always like, but I can prevent it. (laughs) I can prevent the calamity in my world um, by just simply marshalling the will, right? Later on on page six, the mind and body are marvelous mechanisms for Mine endured this agony two more years. I mean, years and years and years, decades, right? So our mind and our body, I want you to hear this, though, Our marvelous mechanisms. You are marvelous. I am marvelous. It's just where we're putting our marvels. <laughs> they're, not, they're, not, they're, they're in the space of sickness and disease, not in the space of, like, abundance and love. So we need something outside of ourselves. And then on page seven, I just want to say this, too. Like, we're sick. I'm going to say it again. And we need to treat ourselves as we would sick friends. But my friends in this program, it's so funny. I don't know if anyone will be able to relate to this, but I have a lot of self-consciousness around talking about what ails me. You know, oh, here comes Emily. She's talking about her depression again. She's talking about the guy that she's dating again. She's talking about, you know, um, her fear again. When is she going to be cured? God, she's such a drag. Can I tell you, I was on a Zoom call with four of my fellows on Friday night, because that's what we do. We get together. You want to come hang? Come hang. And I said that to them, and and they mirrored back to me, what are you talking about? We don't have that experience at all. It's in your head. We're seriously ill bodily and mentally. That's why, you know, when Melanie said, like, check it out with somebody, right? That's what our sponsors are for. That's what our fellows are for. I promise you, you are more lovable and wonderful and capable than you think. And over time, you'll think it. You will. That's the promise of this program. So tolerance. Patience was, you know, with the changes that take time, it took me decades. I, I've been in the room for 10 years. I've been recovered for two. It takes time. It takes time. You know, I just, I just never stopped coming back. Um, And you guys never stopped loving me. It was really annoying. (laughs) I remember my first in-person meeting in Chicago. Uh, I went back after a few months, and uh, they were like, oh, we missed you. And I was like, get out of here. They didn't miss me. But they did. Isn't that crazy? And we miss you. We notice when you're not around. We really do. And we want you to come back and get the good stuff. So patience, then tolerance. You know, uh, for me, I was really invested in how I looked um, putting down the food. I did that 10 years ago, but I never picked up the solution. And this is where the hard work comes in, you know. So two years ago, when I came back to really say, hey, I fess up, I relapsed. I've been in a slow relapse for five years. I've gained all my weight back. I'm eating Tostitos. And M&M's in the, in the bed again. I'm waking up with sores in my mouth. I'm sweating if I slept. Um, I'm in a relationship that's like not good for me, but it's better than nothing. You know, all of that. When I finally felt desperate enough and I reached out in 2020, I really was willing to do anything. My sponsor will tell you. Um, I just was ready. I was ready for another way. It just was not working for me. And... You know, I was just like when we come into there is a solution. (laughs) I'm beyond human aid. I'm beyond human aid. But human beings are my pathway to God. So it's not up to my sponsor for me to be recovered. It's not up to any one of you. It really isn't. You know, love to me, what I learned in the process of becoming recovered is, is loose. It doesn't trap you. It doesn't keep you ensnared. It's loose and free of judgment. So there's no way that you will ever call me and tell me something about what you're deciding to do or not deciding to do, and I will say, I don't think you should do that, unless I think, you know, your life's at risk, right? Because I don't have a monopoly on this. Um, Page 25, the tolerance just for, like, ourselves and for the way other people do things, Without inserting ourselves in their lives, like, respect the sovereignty, right? People know. They need love. They don't need to be kicked. So, yeah, beyond human aid, unless locked up, may die, or go permanently insane. This is my favorite, this next part, right? These stark and ugly facts have been confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout history, but for the grace of God. And this is still step one, you guys, right? But for the grace of God, there would have been thousands more convincing demonstrations. So many want to stop, but cannot. But cannot. But here we go. There is a solution. And here it is. Pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at your feet. What tools, I mean? Just pick it up once? The tools are in the steps. The tools are in the fellowship. Pick it up and use them. It's going to be hard. I mean, every one of us talks about how heavy the phone is. (laughs) Uh, Until it doesn't get heavy. It's just like lifting weights. I mean, what do you want to do? Go into the gym and bench press 150 pounds? I don't even know if that's a lot. Um, It's not where you start. You start with just picking up the kit, right? Take a look at the tools inside. There was nothing left for us but to do that. We have found much of heaven And we have been rocketed into the fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. Yes, and it's been rough at times. So for me, this deep and effective spiritual experience that I I had, I also had the experience of, you know, abject despair. I want to rewind the tape just a bit to um, January of this year. When I started to feel like um, OA and God and who I was was up for question. And look, I can tell you today that that needed to happen, but at the time it was really disorienting. And this is where kindliness and love come in. You now, the, uh, the fellowship of OA is the substitute for the food. So people are like, I know there's people thinking like, well, if I give this up, what will I have? You will have fellowship. You will have love. You will have relationships. You will have people who are in your corner, who will save your life, who will go to any lengths to do so. If you're in the food right now and you don't know how to get out, I can tell you that there's probably, I don't know, 100 of us on the line. That are fine with you calling us every hour, every minute. I don't know. Whatever it takes. We want to save your life. Um, but the the kindliness, I wasn't really able to give myself earlier this year. My depression uh, grew a couple of heads, and uh, I started to really recede. Um, and I'll tell you what. I never left. I never left. But I know that my friends on the line saw it in my eyes. I know my sponsor heard it in my voice. I know my best friend had me on, uh, uh, like, you can ring through any time of the night. I don't know why it happened that I hit bottom again. It was a lower bottom than before, it was an authentic bottom, it was real. It was also uh, helping me get to know my darkness. And real a real surefire way to not know your darkness is to just say everything's fine and minimize. I'm good. It's no big deal. You know what we talked about it once? Once is good. I'm here to tell you that we're here for all of it. Now we are not professionals. <laughs> and that's a really important thing to know, you know? Um... And there's a lot of help that some of us need that's not in these rooms, right? I mean, if you have a cavity, I can't help you with that. (laughs) I can tell you, I can ask if you flossed, but, you know, the cavity needs needs to get extracted through a professional, right? So I am a big proponent of, like, whatever you need, whatever you need, let us get you the help you need so you can stay in touch with God. And I kept coming to the rooms. You know, it's hard to come to the rooms. Uh, for those of you who've ever experienced depression, it lies to you. You know, it lies to you. It says that you are someone you want. Um, it's, it's the opposite of what God would say, right? The anxiety does the same thing. The anxiety says you gotta, you got to hit the kill switch. you got to get out of here. This isn't safe for you. And look, you know, there's a difference between anxiety and intuition. You know, intuition for me has a calmness, a steadiness to it, sort of a knowing. You know, anxiety is urgent. Urgent. Like we live with fear, right? Like that's why we ate, a big reason. But there's no fear that you have that I'm not comfortable hearing about and probably also feel. And there's no fear that you have that if you have it for a while that you can't talk about. It's okay. It's okay to have fear. Um, and so, you know, the fellowship is really what kept me connected. There are days that I, there, there were days I thought about killing myself. I didn't, I got the help I needed. I went to treatment for anxiety and depression. I didn't even know that was a thing. (laughs) And, you know, look, I'm not cured. It's, uh, it's June, right? So it's been six months. I can tell you, I, I made some of the hardest decisions of my life in the past three months. And you know what? I did none of it alone. None of it. And I love to do stuff on my own. I'm single. I'm an only child. I'm an entrepreneur. It's like I've got eminent domain. I'm the queen of my, queen of my existence, right? No. No, 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 no. Um, the kindliness that this fellowship showed me, uh, that, there, that there isn't freedom in rules. You know, like there's no rules. There's steps. There's 12 of them. I live in all 12 every day. I have this book open every day, thanks to Sponsees, right, who saved my life in small ways every day. It's all right here. All you have to do is turn the page. Turn the page, read, turn the page, practice, right? It's the spiritual life is not a theory. You have to live it. And to me, spirituality is really like coming to each other when we're in times of need, I mean, I can't imagine God would want anything but that. I want to talk about love as I wrap up here. Um, 132 at the bottom. Everybody knows that those in bad health and those who seldom play do not last much. So let each family play together separately as much as their circumstances warrant. We are sure God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. If you don't feel happy, joyous, and free today, that's okay. It's a long period of reconstruction. It is not a static condition. We're not in the outcomes business anymore. You know, like I'm in the journey business, the process business. I want to get messy. I love the truth. And I also love to laugh, right? Like <laughs> I've laughed a couple. I laugh at myself. That's a gift. But, yeah, right? I mean, look, I, I, I'm traveling. I get to go on roller coasters now. I get to ride horses. I get to take sewing classes. I get to take dance classes. You know, like, yes, and. Yes, and. I struggle with anxiety. I struggle with depression. I struggle with just knowing what to do every day, you know? But I show up. That's what's different. I show up for it, and I'm not alone with it. And then I love this next part. Oh, we cannot subscribe to the belief that this life is a veil of tears, though it once was just that, just that, right? Misery for many of us. But it is clear that we made our own misery. I made my own misery by, not, not by being isolated. I didn't feel I deserved to be seen or heard, like something's wrong with me. People aren't going to like me. Oh, my God, the love in these rooms. The love in these rooms is so healing. God didn't do it. God didn't make us miserable. Avoid then the deliberate manufacture of misery. My sponsor often says, cease and desist. (laughs) And I'm getting better at stopping myself too, you know. But if trouble comes, cheerfully capitalize it cheerfully what? Cheerfully welcome trouble? It's crazy. Uh, As an opportunity to demonstrate his omnipotence, right? You can get through it. There is another side to whatever you're going through. There's another side. God can help you get through it. A little further down, we who have recovered from serious drinking are miracles of mental health. I mean, honest to God, right? And I'm someone who takes medication and I go to therapy. I do all of the things. Um, but like, I'm a miracle. I'm a miracle that I'm alive. I'm only alive today because of the 12 steps, though. I'm very clear on that. You know, there's an alchemy here happening. I'm doing a lot for myself. I love myself enough to get the support I need, but the 12 steps are, are, are the foundation of how I learned how to love and stay alive. And then lastly, right, but this does not mean, and this is on the the third paragraph on the page or second full paragraph, but this does not mean that we disregard human health measures. God has abundantly supplied this world with fine doctors, psychologists, and practitioners of various kinds. Do not hesitate to take your health problems to such persons. Make living amends to yourself. Living amends. You deserve it. You deserve the help. I deserve the help. You deserve the love. Come get the love. You know, we are sick people who need need help. That's it. So if you're in a position today where I've been, I've been, of feeling just abject despair, terror, bewilderment, come and get this love, you know. Put down the food so you can come and get this love. That's what's available. Um, Gosh, that feels like a really good place to stop, right, Um, and uh, to open it up. And I just want to finally say um, I live with discomfort every day, and I meet it with self-compassion to the best of my ability. I'm just out here living, you know. And I'm glad to be living with you guys, and I think with that I'll pass.
0: Thank you very much, Emily, for your presentation today. Boy, it is so good to hear, you know, the authentic side of recovery and what what continues to bring us hope and possibility for being able to have a place in a community in which to recover on a on a daily basis from a disease that needs daily treatment. Thank you so much. You were just very comprehensive about all of that. It was just a pleasure to be able to listen. And we will get Emily's contact information at the conclusion of the meeting. So stay with us for that. Listen very carefully, so it will come up real soon here. And for your re-listening pleasure and education, the share ID number for today, Sunday, June 5th, 2022, is 19,033. The lines are now open for questions. If you have a question for Emily, please unmute your phone by pressing star one on your phone keypad. Offer your first name, the first initial of your last name, please. And once you've asked your question, please remute your line again immediately so that we can have a nice, re- quiet recording for later listening enjoyment. Who would like to ask Emily a question this morning? Lisa O. Lisa L. Jessica. Like Lincoln?
3: Oh. Oh, is um. Uh, oh, okay. okay.
0: Ah. <laughs> of course. Of course. Of course. Thank you. Yes. And I heard Jessica. Is that true? Yep, Jessica C. Okay, great. Thank you. Anyone else? Loretta Kathy H. Kathy P. Loretta H. And then Kathy Jo. Michelle S. S like Sam, Michelle? Yes, S like Sam. G- great, thank you. Anyone Cheryl. else? Jen R. Mhm. And one more at all or no? Daryl P. Daryl P. Okay, I think we gotcha. Okay, let's go with Lisa O. Jessica C. Loretta H. Kathy Jo P. Michelle F. Jen R. And Daryl P. First up, Lisa O. Your question, please.
3: Thank you. A quick, you, quick start one name.
0: Lisa. Yep, there you are. Oh, yeah.
3: Thank you very much, Melanie, and thank you so much, Emily, for your share. Um, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed this morning, and that was exactly what I needed to hear. Um, I feel like for me in program, I often use 10th and 11th steps as a way to beat myself up and really kind of rack myself over the coals, especially in situations where, you know, maybe the other person is stepping on some reasonable boundaries that I have. And I was just wondering what your 10th and 11th step practice looks like in light of the fact that like me, you are a people pleaser who enjoys, it sounds like beating yourself up. Thank you very much. Mm, Thanks, Lisa.
1: Ah, well said. Yeah, I think for me, ten and eleven, um, and really working through my fears, you know, there's a reason why at the end of a fear inventory it says, "What would God have me be?" You know, because I think that's really where the love comes. Um, and I, I think with with people. Uh, there's a difference between, you know, kind of looking at our part. And this is why we need other people looking at my part and, and being like, I'm at fault. Because, you know, we're not servile in this program. We're just not. And in this way of living, right? Like we get to stand up tall and humbly, you know, take responsibility. But I think for me, it's, uh, it's about, you know, checking it out with someone else. It's also about like, I'm not going to to step my life away.
3: You know, like,
1: I used a tool, but I'm thoughtful about it before I use it, you know. Not every day do I have a resentment. I'm a recovered woman. Thank God. Like, not every day, okay. And not every day do I have a fear, you know. And that's like I, I when I talk to people and I'm like, I had nothing today. It's like, well,
3: that's great,
1: <laughs> you know. <laughs> like, and that's not the goal. But I think, you know, really just going gently with it. And we need other people in those instances where we feel like, you know, this is all my fault. Um, Or, like, the goal is to have people like me, right? That isn't the goal. The goal is to, like, love others, be loved, be of service. But, like, sometimes that means moving on, walking away, you know? It's really hard to do. I hope that answers a little bit of your question. But I relate to 10 and 11 being a self-flagellation exercise sometimes. And it's, again, like, put down the stick. You know, practice, practice the skill. I think that's what we're trying to do, is practice the skill of taking a look
3: at it in a different way.
0: Thank you, Lisa, o, for your question this morning. Jessica C., your question, please, for Emily. And then, Loretta, you'll be next.
3: Hi. <clears throat> Thanks, Melanie. Hi, this is Jessica C. Um, I just want to thank you, Emily, for your presentation. I really appreciated when you talked about uh, um, you know, bringing up the same thing sort of um, scenario or or feeling over and over again and being met with acceptance and love. um, I can really relate to that. Um, I also related to, you know, you talking so openly about your anxiety and depression. um, And I wanted to ask you, uh, have you had to do some work around separating your character defects from your... Anxiety and depression, and and um, you know, especially around fear and anxiety, the defect of fear, and then and then anxiety itself. Like, you have you had to sort of define those two as separate things? And 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 yeah, I was just interested in, uh, to ask you about that. So that's my question. <laughs> yeah. thank you, Jessica.
1: Um, I don't see fear as a defect. I know that's crazy, but I think in part fear, and this is just a woman's opinion, fear is part of being alive. It's just whether or not that fear keeps me, like, receding into my couch. You know what I mean? Like, and, and cutting myself off from the sunlight of the spirit. So to me, fear is not a bad word. Anxiety is not a bad feeling. None of it's bad. Like, I'm, I'm near as I can tell a human, so I've got it all. I've got access to all of it. And this is revolutionary for me because I thought, Jessica, that, like, the goal was to not feel anxiety. <laughs> no, the goal is to live with it and, like, have a different relationship with it, right? My, the God of my understanding says to me, this too is welcome. Your fear is welcome. Should we, is it telling me something or is this, like, is this old stuff, right? Can you, can you move toward it, right, and through it? That's what we all want is to be able to move through it. So, you know, I had a day of, of, of real anxiety on Friday. Here's what I did that's different than I would have done if I was in the food. People knew about it. At least six people knew about it because I got a squad, right? And I don't hesitate to use the squad <laughs> or connect. Sorry, I don't use them. I connect with them. Um, they knew about it. I talked about it. I prayed about it meditated with it. It didn't move along as fast as I'd like it to, but it sure did move along. So to me, it's like, you know, how do I reconcile anxiety and fear? I don't call it a defect. I understand the language, by the way. And I, I think over time, I, I can't believe how many fears have been removed. But then it kind of gets down to like our own basic fear as human beings. Like, am I okay? You know? And it's like, I don't know if that's ever gonna be removed but I think we can learn to live with it and still show up for other people and not be catatonic about it. You know? So those are my thoughts.
0: Thank you very much, Jessica, for your question this morning. Loretta H. It's time for your question now, please. And then Kathy Jo, you'll come in right after Loretta.
3: Good morning, Melody. And good morning, Emily, for your stewardship. Oh my God. Your story is kind of, my story, Our Darkest Past is Our Greatest Asset, and I just wondered if you sponsored during this dark time uh, to prevent that immunity against that first bite, and um, how you did it when you're going through trouble, and just, yeah. So anyway, I hope, yeah, I just wondered, because I've been there, done that, and it's you know, it's it's uncomfortable, but it works.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Loretta. I wanna I wanna swear here because I feel use oh, a cursor because I feel so strongly about it. I sure as blank did. Um. God, my sponsees, and I know some of them are listening right now, and hopefully um, they they know this because I say it all the time uh saved my life. There were days when I was in the darkest of depression uh that is the only thing I was able to do was get up for those calls. You know I talk to my sponsors every day for fifteen minutes until they get to step five and then three days a week right like every weekday and that's just how I do it it's how how it was done for me um but having to show up for others, intensive work saved. Yeah. (laughs) And it was hard. I'll tell you the other thing I did. So the answer is yes. I absolutely sponsored through it. Absolutely sponsored through it. Was not easy. Didn't feel like I had much to give at all. Um, And you'd have to ask them, but they're still listening. So there you go. Um, not to mention, as I talk more about what I've been through, I've attracted other people, right? Because that's what we want to hear is the truth and vulnerability. And, like, that doesn't mean, like, if you haven't experienced depression, you don't have vulnerability, you know? But, yeah, I did. And the other thing, um, what was the other thing I was going to say? Um, I I feel like, uh, nope, I lost it. I lost it until I was an entity. But, yeah, I sponsored And I never stopped going to meetings. I had a service and I had to show up every Sunday. I didn't want to do any of this stuff, you know, but that's what depression says to you. It's like, it's fine. It lies to you. Um, But God told me the truth and the truth was you got to show up. And to think like you have even something to give, even when you are suicidal, you have something to give like, what? That's crazy, but It's true. It's true.
0: Thank you so much for your question. Next one up is Kathy Joe P with a question, and then Michelle s will follow Kathy Joe. Hi, Kathy. Joe.
4: Good morning. Thank you so much, Emily, and thank you so much, Melanie, for your service. This is Kathy Joe P. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater in Minneapolis. I have a new abstinence date of January seventeen. I do not believe I suffer with depression, but um, I am going through a very dark spot. How dark is it before the dawn? Uh, my husband is in his second relapse of sex addiction, and it doesn't look like he's going to come out of it. So I am separated, facing divorce, and I planned on asking you about your service. And I think instead, even though you just shared this very strong story um I have people telling me someday your story is going to help people so much. And I would just love to hear you highlight in the darkest spot how you believe and know that God is going to use you as a tool to help people so much. And thank you. Mm,
1: Kathy, Chill, thank you for the question. Um, and thank you for sharing some of your experience. I've been there. Um gosh I, I can't explain some of this right like some of it is like unanswerable i do i you know there are people when i was literally like lying on the couch could not move mornings were always the hardest in depression because you're facing the day and it felt like how the hell am i going to get through another day right but i had recovery Right. So I knew I would get through. I just like it, it's that it's that light deep down inside of all of us that we know we're going to get through it, provided we work with other people and we pick up that spiritual toolkit. So I can't exactly explain how I knew I would be able to help people and I can't promise that I won't get back there or or experience depression and anxiety in like a in a really profound way again. I will say what what gave me a lot of encouragement was I never stopped connecting with people. This is why the God squad is so important because I wasn't alone in my struggle and I was loved even though I was struggling. And so that told me God was present. God is real. Like because I didn't feel very lovable at all. I felt like a burden. I felt like I was too much, you know, all of that. Not at all. I, can't, I am astounded by the love that's been given to me through this time. Um, one woman in particular who just was there any hour of the day talked to me all the time. So that's how I knew God was real, which I guess is how I knew that somehow I'd get to the other side, which is I guess how I knew I'd be able to help. You know. Um, so that's, that's my answer for that.
0: Thank you very much. Kathy Jo for your, for your question. Michelle S your question now, please. And then Jen R will follow
2: you. Thank you so much for sharing your story, which was, I could totally relate to my question is, um, A, did you ever feel, um, what I'm going to explain? And if you have any suggestions, I get into a place where my mind feels crazy. Like I am, the shoulds are coming at me. You're not doing this right. Um, And it's so bad that it just feels like a tornado in my brain, and I don't know what to do. And, yeah, if you have any suggestions or if you've ever experienced that, that would be great.
1: Oh, my God. Amazing question. Yeah, I've experienced that a lot, a lot. I'll tell you, I've noticed that it usually comes up uh, when I am trying to fight. The war within... Is excruciating. And so, yeah, I I, I, as recently as this morning had like a thought come in, right? Because look, our brains are amazing. It says right here in the book, like, right, we're intelligent agents. God's like, you guys are awesome. (laughs) You know, but my brain does a lot of thinking. You know, and I, you know, I've heard it said, right, uh, addicts are different in that we have, you know, uh, we all have, like, 50,000 thoughts a day, but but we only have five of them. We just think about them, you know, 10,000 times a day. Um, said much better by the originator of that quote. But, yeah, I, I get in that spot a lot. I'll tell you what, um, what recovery has given me is a way through it. So it doesn't last as long. I mean, pain is a part of life. That part suffering, which is what you're really talking about, like I shouldn't be feeling this, what's wrong with me, why is this happening, you know, the why questions. I've really tried to, when that comes up, to ask one simple question. What do I need? And usually the answer is love and support. Usually the answer is I need to love myself. I need to put my hand over my heart, and I do this a lot, and I say this, too, is okay. You know, that's self-compassion. Because, yeah, our brains are wired for thinking, and there's a lot that our brains think that we're scared of, right? And then we're like, what will fix it? The food. Like, that's the first thing. Then when the food isn't an option, it's like, now it's going to fix it. There's no fix. You know, the solution is to pick up the kit and put it down. Pick it up again. Call somebody. You know, call someone who knows about it. Um and all all that you have to say then is like, it's happening again. Can you tell me about your day? How can I help you, right? just to get out of ourselves for a minute. And then if it comes back, you know, you do it again. <laughs> but, yeah, I definitely relate. I have a very active mind. Um, I have a lot that I'm supposed to be afraid of that God's like, this too I can handle. You know, this too I can handle. And in the meantime, like, why don't you call Emily? And... uh Try connecting around it versus shaming yourself for it, you know. Thanks for your question.
0: Thank you very much, Michelle. Jen R., you're next with your question, and then Daryl will follow you. Hi, thanks, this. It's been really helpful. Um, my question is, um, if you feel shame, how do you handle, a te- how do you do a 10-step on a burst of shame? Thank you.
1: Hmm. If I feel shame, how do I do a 10th step on it? Oh. Well, let me, let me speak in real examples. I mean, I feel shame, uh, in other words, like I'm a bad person, uh, because I have a hard time letting love in. This is like a new revelation for me. I'm going to be honest, though. I, I think at the root of shame is fear for me. I mean, in this instance, it's like fear of being loved fully, even when I'm aggravated and frustrated and bitchy, you know, like <laughs> people can still love me when I'm hurting and take up space, you know, so like shame for me does come up a lot in ten steps, usually because there's a fear there, and I have to say the fear ultimately boils down to in my ten steps uh. Of of truly depending only on God for comfort, for love, for acceptance and support, not anyone else. Because it sounds kind of lonely, right? It's like, wait, I just go to God. Like, don't I need like a ton of friends and a husband or a wife or a partner? Or like, and, and yeah, I mean, all of that is is we need we need connection. I was, I just got back from L. A. visiting my sponsor and friends and program, and it's just like, yes, yes, more of this. But it's like in those quiet moments where I really feel shame about, like, I'm not good enough, or I did something wrong, or I can't let love in what's wrong with me, that I think, you know, I, the fear is that, I, like, God's not going to handle it. And I do a fear inventory around that, and i, I got to say, I think I'll probably be doing that fear inventory for a while. Not every day, but it comes up, you know. So I hope that answers your question.
0: Thank you very much, Jen R., for your question. Daryl P., it's time for your question now, and then after that, it looks like we might have time for a couple more.
5: Hey, good
6: morning, Daryl P., um, compulsive overeater recovering in New Orleans. Um, thank you so much for your share. It was really lovely, and I really appreciated, um, you know, the, the just the honesty that it's just you know, that, um, I don't know. I think there's this tendency to be like, oh, there's this magic wand and now everything's perfect. And, you know, I've reached my goal weight and now everything's perfect and you know, <laughs> living happily ever after that sort of illusion. Anyway, um, my question is really, um, I, 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 I heard you say, um, I heard, you, I heard you say entrepreneur. I heard you say, you know, that you were alone. I, I heard you say also that you have a big network. For me, um, the disease is one of isolation. You know, it's the root of the disease. And I would love to hear you talk about anything that um, has helped you build community and ask for help, especially... Um, when you need help i've been in and around recovery for a long time and i I still struggle with asking for help or admitting that I need help and it's my program isn't perfect and I, I actually would love any suggestions you have on that so um that's my question yeah any anything that you you that's that's helped you along that that path to just being able to ask for uh help, uh, when, um, help is needed. Uh, and I, and I also really appreciate you pointing to the place, uh, in the literature where it says it's okay to ask for outside help. I think that's, that was, uh, helpful for me. Appreciate that. Awesome. Thanks, Daryl. Yeah. You
1: know, Oh, it's two of my favorite pages in the book are one fifty two and one fifty three. It's kind of where I go when, um, yeah, when I just need a hit of like I'm not alone, you know. Uh, because anything's possible for us now, you know. It's like when we were in the food there was it was like a one way ticket, you know. And and when we put it down, I really feel like we're the courageous ones because. Uh, God is like, yeah. There's infinite possibility now. You know, the set aside prayer is my favorite. It's like put aside, like set aside everything I think I know every day. Right? I'm so committed to my stories of like me calling someone. What? You know, they're I'm. 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 Uh, I'm interrupting them. Guess what? If they pick up the phone, they're happy to be interrupted. I answer calls all the time uh, from unknown numbers. And I'm just like, look, if this is someone selling me insurance,
3: I'll just hang out.
1: But if it's someone in New Orleans who needs help, I want to answer the phone. I want to connect with that person. Now, this is, you know, a couple years into practicing being vulnerable. Practicing. I think it's a skill. Courage is a skill. It's not something I was, like, born with. It's not something that that is, like, is just going to happen. It's something that I have. This is a program of action, you know. So I like to ask the question, like, what is the courageous thing to do right now? Like, and sometimes it's, you know, the courageous thing is resting. Sometimes the courageous thing is, like, making the call to the person who said that one thing that you thought was interesting and just seeing if they'll pick up or call you back, you know. And in these rooms, I'll tell you, my experience is you You get what you put in. And that's really annoying for someone like me because I want to be taken care of. I want to be unique. I want to be special. I want everything to show up at my door. I want things to be easy. I want it to feel a certain way. Again, I'm a comfort seeking missile. I'm also a pleasure seeking missile. So I want like whatever is like the easier, softer way, and everything. But it turns out that in relationship especially, because that's what I really want, right, is to, to give big love and get big love. Um, I got to give, you know, and uh, picking up the phone. It's, it's not that it's hard for me. It's just sometimes I choose, like, well, I don't want to, you know. <laughs> and I've learned that a lot of life, this is so humbling to admit at 42, is, like, inconvenient, you know. It's, like, not what I wanted. But I try, I try to, to, like, live within that and stretch within that, and I've gotten so much in return. So, yeah, the substitute on page 152, there's a substitute, and it's vastly more than that. It is a fellowship. It is a fellowship. We escape disaster together, and then we commence shoulder to shoulder. And we laugh a lot. Well. And we talk about Netflix and, like, all the other stuff, men shopping, like all the stuff, like world events. We become friends. We become friends. It's, a, it's remarkable. So keep going, Daryl. Thank you very much, Daryl P.,
0: for your question. Hey, Emily, the time looks like there's some um, availability for more questions if you're up for it. I'd like to offer sure, no again. Sure, no problem. Excellent. If anyone's hi. interested in asking Emily a question this morning, it looks I'm, like we are. There's a hi there. What was your name? Ramona A. Ramona A. Hi. Annette F. Annette, did you say? Yeah. F like Frank. Okay. Yes. Chris G. Chris G. Gotcha. Anyone else? Star one, please.
3: Lisa have a question
0: B. On your mind? Hey, Lisa B. Okay, let's move along here. And we'll grab some more if time allows. Ramona A, you're up first, and then Annette F. Good morning, to um, you, Ramona. Good morning, Melanie. Um, hope hopefully I'm on un, unmuted. Emily, thank you for thank you for your share this morning. It really you know was wonderful to hear you. My question is, how do you tell when you're feeling when when you don't feel really up? Is it uh, self pity? Or is it depression, and how do you how do you discern that or help your responses discern that too?
5: Thank you mm,
1: yeah 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 um great question i you know i I try and lead with love, so lovingly looking at you know here's what I hear um. Self pity is just obsession with yourself, right? Like what's going on, my problems. Um, so I find that if I'm only thinking, and I did this in my nightly review last night, I was like, mm, I was, you know, I asked that question, like, was I thinking of myself most of the time? <clears throat> most of yesterday afternoon, I was kind of in like a fix it mode, I was like, I want to fix this because it's not, it's not acceptable to me, you know? So that to me is self, it gets into self and can get into self-pity when I'm just consumed with myself so much so that I haven't made a call or if the phone rang, I haven't answered it. Or if I start to resent my sponsee calls, which I do, I mean, I'm human, right? And then I, I got to look at it. But that's, that's when it gets into that, that territory of, okay, right? Like, again, hand over heart. Uh, some self-compassion, you're having a human moment, like what would God have me do or be next, you know? Um, so that's the difference for me. It's like I, I describe it sometimes as like I get really tight, right? We get tight at the wrong times. is what it says in the big book. Um, and if someone is calling me and needs help and I don't want to answer, I got to pause and get on my knees probably, you know, and ask God for the space ask God to like you know let like remove, we know what we're supposed to do by the way after a 10 step is like turn to someone we can help I think a lot of people myself included forget that part it's like oh good I got what I needed I cleared out my inventory you know it's like no we we still have I think the reason that's so important to me is we still have something to give you know even if we're in fear and resentment there's still something there that we can pay forward and that's important for me to feel you know So I hope that answers your question. Thank you. Thank you
0: very much. Thank you you very much,
1: Ramona, for your
0: question this morning. Annette F., you're next, and then Chris will follow you. Come on, Annette. Hi. Can you hear me? Loud and clear.
5: Okay. I I really want to thank
0: you for, you know, I never
5: thought about isolation, even though my whole life has been isolated, but I never thought about that. And I've been in program for a long time. I mean, I'm, I'm the youngest of a very large family. But there were years between me and the next guy up. And the next guy up did not, was not happy about me showing up. So for years, and I am an entrepreneur, I definitely could relate. Uh, I mean, I did ask for help when I was building my business and running my business. Now I'm starting an online business. And I have a sick husband. Do I ask for help? No. Do I reach out on these calls? Just starting to. And it is truly amazing how different life is reaching out to another human being. And the first one I called knew exactly how I felt because she dealt and and is dealing with big things that are not easy. So I mean, it's such a beautiful reminder, and you really brought it to the surface. Uh, and I mean, everybody says we don't have to do this alone, but you brought the fact that that we think we have to do it alone. And I know uh, I'm tired of doing it alone. <laughs> so just the difference in me calling, you know, and connecting has made a huge difference because I'm big on comfort relief and I'm big on self-pity. I'm big on that. And when things repeat in my life, that's when I start to feel like God has a target on me. And I know that's so not true. This program literally saved my life. So I just wanted to thank you from your sharing from the heart that brought big things to my heart,
0: I pass. And then did you have a question in all of that as well, since we're looking for questions only?
5: Well, oh, sorry. I mean, when you, well, I think you answered them. When you start to get in that feeling of, am I going to survive this? I, You know, why me? I mean, what do you do besides make a phone call?
1: Mm yeah thank you um yeah thank you Annette yeah that's great um gosh i think i i i try and just pause you know i mean my my duration time from like instinct to action is is increasing. <laughs> Like, I used to have, like, I mean, two seconds, right? Like, I feel discomfort. I need a piece of chocolate. Like, that was it. Now, you know, I feel discomfort, and I'm not saying I can, like, sit with this peacefully on a cushion for an hour. No. Like, I aspire to that. God willing, someday, right? But, like, now, again, it's hand over heart, and, like, we don't need to panic, right? God's right here. You're safe. You're okay. In this moment, I mean, I can't tell you what's going to happen in an hour. And even still, right, it doesn't mean I don't get to remove these things. I don't get to be free of them. I don't get to be, like, you know, uh, unaffected. But I do get to be kind and loving and tolerant and patient. You know, that's what we pray for every day. And I'm, I'm someone who's, like, with myself so that when you call me, and I hope you do, I can be patient with you because, again, we cannot transmit what we don't have. So I think, you know, when I feel really tight, right, it's just stopping. Like, stop everything because what I used to do is just move through it. Like, nope, not happening. Denial. (laughs) This isn't important. And I'm not saying, like, stop and, like, cancel all your meetings for the day and, like, be with it all day. I used to do stuff like that because I couldn't handle it. Now it's like God can handle this, too, and waiting for that direction. I need to make a call. I need to call my doctor. I need another therapy appointment. To see. I mean, whatever it is, you know. But it's inevitably going to end with, like, more love and more support for me. So that's what I would say. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Next up, Chris G. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Emily, for uh, sharing. I really uh, uh, relate to what you said today. Uh, I have a, a, a two-parter. Uh, the first thing is I, I heard you say that you let go of the physical weight but did not pick up the solution at that time. And um, I, I'd like to hear more about um, picking
4: up the solution. And and also my second part is uh, can you give us an example of God's uh, perfect timing, uh, in your life recently. Thank
0: you.
1: Ooh, I love these questions. I don't know the answers. Let me see what, let me see what comes out. Uh, yeah, the solution, um, and finding the solution, you know, I got so distracted by your second question and coming up to something. I'm like, wait, what was the first part? So, um, can you, can you say it again? I'm so sorry. Your perfect timing question had me, like, get really creative in my head. What was the first question?
0: The first question was about picking up the solution. You said you let go of the weight, but you didn't pick up the solution.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay, thank you. <laughs>
4: um
1: I think this has a lot to do with your sponsor uh, and your level of willingness, and to to do two things. One is like let go of the short term pleasure and comfort being being the god of your understanding, and moving into, like, I'm looking for something sustainable, and the only way I could get to that place was having tried everything, including OA, including OA with, like, dieting with group support, which we hear a lot about, you know, I had sponsors who were like, yeah, sometimes I eat mac and cheese for comfort, that's normal, you know, which, by the way, God bless it, if it is for you, certainly wasn't for me because mac and cheese led to all sorts of other things. Not to, not the least of which was shame, you know? So it was, it was really for me, the difference in picking up a solution was in who grabbed my hand. And the woman who grabbed my hand had what I wanted, you know, peace between the ears a, a big life, a, a confidence, a clarity about the message. And there's no frills here. Like, Literally, how I sponsor is out of the book. It's just all you need is a big book. I mean, probably a pen. That would be nice, you know. But that's it. That having it be so simple versus like there's the twelve and twelve, and then there's the early twelve and twelve, and then there's the workbook, and we're going to do and that's like I, look, I am a woman who's like, give me more homework because then I know I'm a good girl. So picking up the solution, the solution had to be simple. And my sponsor is like it's right here in this book, and it was turning. So that the solution being simple was a key difference the second time I got abstinent from the first, because the solution the first time, and there wasn't a lot of healthy recovery around me, uh, and that's okay. There's those people are still my friends, you know. But I only you can really answer for yourself. Like, am I getting? Am I? Am I getting the solution here? Or Am I just? getting, you know, human aid. Because uh, the solution is beyond human aid. So I needed someone who had that to help me find it. Uh, and, you know, she didn't go looking out into the hinterland. She just told me to open the book and then walk me through it. You know? So that's, uh, that's the solution part. The perfect timing. Oh, God. You know, so many examples of this. Um, I'll just say that I, I mentioned earlier the, the love of my life. Um, and having to let him go, uh, which was the hardest decision I've ever made in my life to this day. And lo and behold, me not doing anything, right? Moving on. I went to treatment. I went to, I got all the help I needed, you know. um, TBD, if this is perfect timing, I'll let you know. Call me in like a month because here's the thing. I don't know what perfect timing is. I just know... My job every day and my assignment is to accept what's put in front of me and to go with the flow, to surrender to life, not like swim upstream. So I think the perfect timing thing is kind of like I'm not sure, I don't know what what's perfect. Um, but you know, I got a letter
3: in the mail a couple of weeks
1: ago that sort of from him that sort of opened up a conversation, and I'm just I'm just seeing how how it goes. You know, I'm not fast-forwarding out into the future, but it appears that, like, when I don't try and make things happen, I get what I'm supposed to get, you know? I just show up for my assignment to be present and to be of service every day, and, like, things, things work out. So I think perfect timing is happening right now, you know? It's not something that, like, has, has a lot of rom-com stuff around it, you know, <laughs> like, It just is right now. It's you asking that question. It's whoever asks the next question. It's whoever calls you later. It's all perfect. As long as I'm not, like, there's a difference between, like, making it work and doing the work. And I'm here for doing the work. But, like, I know the feeling when I'm trying to make something happen. Um, And it sucks. It's exhausting. So I think perfect timing is God's timing, and that means I'm surrendered and, like, not, not pushing too hard, you know? That's what I would add
0: Thank you very much for the question, and it looks like we might be able to squeeze out one more here, kind of a quick question answer based on me the time. Lisa Dread. B, do you want to do that? Yeah.
2: Yes, I do. Uh, Melanie and, and Emily, thank you so much. Oh, you girls, I just, it's so wonderful to hear you, Emily. You know, you've helped me so many times uh, as I came crawling back, and god just uses you and all my all our other fellows uses each we use each, he uses each other to love one another and when you said um to love ourselves wow that's a huge order that's a really huge order don't know how to do that but this program is teaching me little by little my question is how do you balance um you, you said you, you know you have a, a business and And your personal life, and of course, in the program is like is part of the whole our whole lives. but how do you balance activities, all the things you need working to do phone calls and et cetera in your day?
1: Hmm, yeah, thanks for the question. um yeah, I'll keep this brief and just say. I don't have. It's not perfect, and it's not static. And the only things that are really sacred, because truly I surrender, try and surrender my day to God. I mean, I've got an outlook calendar like everyone else, and like the best laid um But it's the beginning and the end for me that are the most sacred. That that really keep me in balance. So my morning routine and my nightly routine. Those I protect at all costs. And it's like that's what helps me get clear on what my assignment is for the day, which is again, really simple love and tolerance, be of service to myself and others, be of service. And, you know, asking God, what would you have me know today? Like, what will I learn today? And then at the end, you know, taking a review of it. And that's where I get to, to ask, like, are there any corrective measures? Last night, it was like, oh, I forgot to meditate. I mean, I forgot. You know, like, I'm not perfect. So there's no set kind of balance. There's no arrival point. But I do think that the beginning and the end of the day and the instructions are in the book on what to do helps me figure that out for the day. You know what I mean? And helps me reevaluate. So um, I would I would, I would start there. Start and end there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very
0: much. Pardon me. <clears throat> for... Um, the question, Emily, I mean, Lisa, and thank you everyone for uh, participating today and just the questions just to add this beautiful extra, extra layer of uh, beauty and nuance in the way that you answered all these questions. Thank you. You've offered so very much of yourself this morning, Emily, and I'm very, very grateful. I wanted to also repeat and remind everyone of the share ID so that you can go back and listen to this over again. Oftentimes, these are well worth listening over again to catch all those things that might have missed in such a rich presentation like we've had today. That share ID number is one nine zero three three nineteen thousand thirty three, and you'll find that on our website at www.avisionforyou.info. So we will close this morning by reading from page one sixty four, as we always do. Our book is meant to be suggestive only, so we'll proceed with that, and then we will.